I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media and DailyThunder.com. And with me today is my good friend, McKelly Barra. McKelly, what's up? I have two questions for you. First, oh, no. is Yante Burton still down to dunk? <laughs> he, he's, down to, it... <laughs> he's down to dunk for the blue. Yeah, and B, is Nader dunking on us instead of Dre? Oh, Probably man. So. That's a good question. Uh, I think he probably is down to dunk on me, for sure. <laughs> He's been super good. Oh, me as well. He's been really good, man. Yeah. Right. Well, the shots are finally dropping for him. Yeah. Which is something that everyone inside the Thunder staffers or whatever informed person they always said that Nader was a great shooter in practice. Yeah. And turns out he can hit shots in in regular seasons as well, which is good. It is good, especially when you have Hami and Ferguson and all these guys that can't play. And Robertson, who, you know, we don't really even have to mention him, but he's also on the roster still. When none of those guys can play and Deontay is being a big dummy and being sent down to the G League because of it, it's uh, it's nice to have someone that can actually play uh, because most teams, when you get to this spot, don't have guys that can play. And so he's he's been a surprise. I mean, his ability to shoot the three has been... I mean, that's obviously his best attribute is that having a two-guard that can shoot threes, which is a novel idea here in Oklahoma City. Um, (laughs) But having him be able to stand out there and make those shots has been huge. And, you know, like you just want to kind of whisper this, but they haven't missed Terrence Ferguson at all, right? Yeah, I mean, you can say that probably Terrence against Denver probably doesn't, doesn't lose so much in cuts. Uh, you probably slide him onto either Harris or uh, Murray, and maybe, and I'm saying maybe, you have a better defense to start off the game. But that's about it. I mean, they could win the game anyway. I mean, it wasn't really close, the Denver game. But, I mean, they they were not, like, demolished by them. They, yeah. they were there in multiple times during the game. So, yeah, I mean, they had this crazy road trip. They, they win, I think, most... I think two and two was what uh, you could consider um, a fine outcome, maybe mm-hmm. a good one. Sure. And to do that without Ferguson, that's that's great. It is great. Or and bad, you... or or bad, depending on <laughs> on the point of view that you want to pick. Or right. maybe it's both. Yeah, I mean, if you're rooting for for Nader, it's a great thing. I mean, as a starter, his stats are ridiculous and something yeah. that, that will not continue i mean he's 10 points per game on 
six and a half field goal attempts per game, 50 per, 53% from the field, 60% from three on three attempts per game, 100% from the free throw line. I mean, there's just, he's 50, 60, 100. So not, not going to continue. But on the season, he's almost 49% from, or as off the bench, actually. So 49% from the field, pretty good. 40% from three, 77% from the free throw line. He's a productive player. He's I don't know if I, I don't think that he can be a starting level player, but if he can be a guy off the bench that can come in and shoot threes and the Thunder have got him. I mean, that's just a valuable guy to have on your team on a cheap contract. And he's got the rest of this year. And I think that we'll see. And also we'll see how he plays the rest of the season too. Because sometimes guys will shoot really well um, and then they won't. And so we don't really know what kind of shooter Nader is as a pro. So far, he hasn't been a great shooter. And then we've seen these last few weeks where he has been. And so let's see if he can continue to be a good shooter. And it's just funny because this is a lot of having what it's like having Chris Paul on your team is that he gives guys confidence. And he said it. I've talked to people with the team that have said it that Chris Paul is helpful to many, many people on the squad. And Nader, I think, is close to the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, to have a player that can get you uh, good shots, but also putting you in some sort of rhythm. And that's why, I mean, you could you could see, like, even last year, there was a, a moment uh, in, in, in the season right around January or February where you could see, you could feel that Terrence was in rhythm. And Russ yeah. was a big part of that. Um, but it wasn't consistent. And it seems that with Chris Paul, it might be more consistent. We are just like two and a half months uh, into the Chris Paul experience. And mm-hmm. so far, you can see from him, uh, in terms of the way he creates for others, you can see a lot of consistency. Maybe you get nights where he is a bit more shot happy which is very good for the team i would say uh because he's a great shooter and he he can take like he can take 20 shots whenever he wants mm-hmm. and no one will complain uh those will be mostly good shots but he he is putting on an effort to create for others and to be honest with you the moment where i thought well if nader can hit this then we we might have something we as as a thunder and, and that what, that shot was the one against Sacramento where he curled off of a Stephen Adams screen and then he popped immediately without putting yeah. the ball down. And he just raised rose so high with, with, with the shot and he hit that important three. In that moment, you can see that that is something that only a good to great shooter can do. Like you cannot invent that shot like with with no practice whatsoever. It it means that you have something in terms of shooting. Like if you if you put Hamidou Diallo do that two hundred times, you won't see a motion that is that is as pure as the one that Nader pulled off yeah. uh, in that moment. And you will see probably like one hundred different versions of that shot. Exactly. From exactly. It it was really perfect. It was high. It was compact. Like the ball came out of his hands really clean, and he made it, which is which is important. And so yeah, yeah I mean, 
if Nader can sustain this level of, of shooting, especially like in motion, which is something that OKC really doesn't have, uh, it could be very important for, for him, uh, for his future, because a guard that can hit shots off the, of the off curves and stuff like that is always coveted in the league. Yeah. And also for OKC, because it's nice to have a, guys like, a guy like that on a cheap deal. Um, it's, it's important also because OKC decided to keep him. Yeah. When everyone was saying, well, just just cut him and you are under the tax. Including so me, it, yeah. It will... Yeah, I, I say that. Uh, I said that many times. Like, why are we keeping that roster um, occupied? The roster spot occupied. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it will probably have something... Uh, it will probably be important for Nader, knowing that the organization really trusted him. Twice. Yeah. It's, I mean, good on Sam and Billy, really. Because I'm sure Billy's a part of a decision like that. Like, okay, I think I can use this guy during the season, so yeah. keep him around. And it's, I mean, that's it says a lot. And, you know, as Thunder fans, I think that we've looked at other teams and other rosters throughout the course of Thunder history and said, why can't we get a guy like that? You know, he's yeah. on a short, small contract, and he can help you. You know, I think we... I think the team that to look at is Miami. It's like, how do they find these mm-hmm. guys? And yeah. I don't know if they found anybody on the level of like a Kendrick Nunn, but they they may have found a just a helpful bench player. Which to find a helpful bench player, you know, that was selected 58th in the draft, that was you know let go basically by Boston. That's a big deal. Yeah. So you know, good on the Thunder organization for doing that. A um, couple things. Uh, it's December 16th, which means that it's past December 15th. And it's also two days away from our last day to pre-order the Fresh Prince of Thunder shirt from ShopGood. So go to shopgoodokc.com backslash DTD and you can find the shirt. Also use promo code DTD to get free shipping and a cool Thunder sticker to go with it. So go order that. Make sure that if you want to get it before Christmas, and trust me, this is a great Christmas gift for somebody, you're going to want to order it before the 18th. So please go do that and support the people that support Down to Dunk. Also, check out KP's Cleaning Service. We're getting so close to Christmas, and I know that you may be hosting people at your house here in Oklahoma City. And if you are, you need to call KP's Cleaning Services. They are a small local business and they service Oklahoma city and the surrounding areas. They're dedicated to giving clients a unique cleaning experience. They're going to, they're going to come to my house this week and I could not be more excited to have them come clean my house. Uh, mention down to dunk, give them a call 405-290-8172. They'll give you a free quote and they will come clean your house and do an amazing job. So support the people that support down to dunk and check out KP's, cleaning services so Michele it's the 16th now almost all of the NBA players like 80 to 90 percent of the players in the league are trade eligible and the Thunder have a team full of players that we expect to be traded within the year I guess you could say and so uh, Zach Lowe and Adrian Wojnarowski had a 
TV show last night and had very little, honestly, to say about the Thunder. It was They didn't talk about them till the end, which is interesting because I, I, th- I really think the Thunder are one of the more interesting trade teams out there. Now, they talked a lot about how different teams can improve or and I guess that's why they didn't talk about the Thunder is that they're just kind of a team just hanging out and, you know, and I think maybe even the team to an extent feels this way. Like, eh, if they make the postseason, that's cool. But uh doesn't really matter all that much. Um, but they did mention Gallinari. And they mentioned your... This is something that you've been saying since the summer. Is that if they don't get anything they like for Gallinari, that they could just work a sign-and-trade in the summer. And so, uh, maybe you can uh, take a victory lap on that one right now. Yeah, I mean... It, it's a possibility, and I think it's not the most lucrative uh, for OKC, and I even don't think right now that is the thing that is going to happen, because Gallinari is playing at close to the same level that he was last year, at least shooting-wise. I don't have the number in front of me, but Gallo has been crazy efficient from three, if you don't count the, the, the weird game he had in Denver. Um, and so there's no drop. In, into his production and there's no way that teams out there don't call Sam about him. It's, it's, it's just going to happen. And, and I also think that they will give him the first sounder that he wants. Probably he doesn't want a 2020 rightfully. So uh, maybe no. an unprotected 2022 is not what he will get, yeah. but something in between. So even if that is a possibility and still a possibility, I don't think that it will be that. What I uh, texted you this morning or yesterday, I don't remember, um, was an idea that that came to my mind. It was just based on the recent past, which is I understand that tanking gives you the best odds to control your destiny and to get a pick based on your own record. Mm -hmm. But on the other end, if you look into what gave OKC the best assets in the last, I don't know, five years, it's not the draft, and it couldn't, like, OKC was a great team, so there was no chance to get a great pick from there, but trading veterans with good pedigree gave them a lot of assets. And I wonder if staying competitive, making the playoff push, quote-unquote, or whatever, playing the best basketball you can on the court while you have those players is is something that is even better than getting a 2020 first-round draft pick. Like, if you have to choose between receiving good value for Schroeder, for uh, CP3, for Gallo next season even, mm-hmm. um, or having pick number five, mm-hmm. I do think that I prefer... Well, it's it's at least comparable. Like, I cannot say today that this draft class is good enough that you have to tank at any. Uh, you really need to, to get a, a top five pick this year. Yeah, it There's doesn't. No Zion. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like yeah. this. A lot of people are saying, "Well, this kind of feels like a draft where we don't really know who the best players are." And when that's the case, you know, it's it's kind of scary. <laughs> To be honest, it's like it's yeah. not it's not what you want. It's not what you want to hear, and so it's yeah, it or, may not be the worst sorry, thing in the world that the Thunder aren't 
the worst team in the league this year, you know, or a, a bottom three or bottom four team in the league this year. Yeah. And, and like another argument um, for that, another like point of view on that. Do you remember the last draft where there was no clear cut number one? What happened? It Anthony happened Bennett. Anthony Bennett uh, <laughs> went first. But there was, like, really a lot of randomness. Like, you had CJ McCollum at 10. You had Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo at 15. You had Gobert. Like, it was really a, a good yeah. draft on average, but with no peaks. And in those drafts, if you do a great job, you get a great player, even if you don't have the first pick. Mm-hmm. Or at least you have a very good chance, because... If you have a guy like Zion or like John Morant or even RJ Barrett, you really know what will happen. Like those are the guys and the main focus is there mm-hmm. because you don't want to mess up. Yeah. Uh, but and, and this really skews the the, um, the understanding that you have of the draft. If it's more tame, then you have a lot of margin uh, of error because you do, the players are close enough or you probably don't get an MVP candidate, or it's hard to get one. And so your choice becomes really dangerous, especially um, how high in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And that's that's why it's good that the Thunder have the amount of draft assets that they do, because they're going to run into not only this draft, but there will be more drafts like this, where mm-hmm. you, you don't know, they're not going to be good drafts. There's not going to be generational stars in every single NBA draft. That's just not going to happen. And so, and a lot of times I feel like people try to force that on guys as the draft process goes on. Like this could be a franchise player. And, and also I think that there's a little bit of that happening with this current Thunder team where it's like, okay, the current, the face of the franchise now is Shea Gilgis Alexander. And it's like, is it (laughs) like, is that like, Oh, they're passing the torch to him or like, and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, let's like, let's just, Everybody just take a step back because we don't know that. We don't know if he can be a top level player. Can he be a, we know he's a good player, right? Like we know that he's going to be a good player and he's going to play in the NBA for a long time. What if the Thunder get the first pick in the 2022 draft is, are we going to pass the face of the franchise on again? Like we can't, uh, to me, it's like, we can't keep passing yeah. the face of the franchise on until like we know what era that we're in, you know. Like this yeah. is still such a transition era where I just don't think that it's time to crown somebody or say anything. Because I mean, I think that we need to know that this is a this is not a rebuilding team yet. This is a good team. I think a lot of teams in the NBA would love to trade rosters with the Oklahoma City Thunder, especially in the Eastern oh, yeah. Conference. Call, like, call Detroit. Yeah, dude, for real. Detroit would or do Charlotte. it. Or Charlotte. Yeah, in a heartbeat, they would. Even oh, Maybe yeah. even Orlando. They're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. The, I like what we did. I think I might rather have those guys. You know, this. I love Jonathan Isaac, though. I do I, love Jonathan. I yeah. marveled. How can we get that player? How can OKC get that player? It's impossible, but it's. Yeah. It is a player that they really like as a. Again, it's it's close to the level where Shea is, probably a little below, but those are yeah. good to great player that can blossom into something better, especially with the right roster construction. Mm-hmm. And I do think that Shea still has star potential. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Superstar? 
and that that we we have been saying this that a guy like that has the potential to be once or twice or maybe more an all star because because like you don't average 19 points on a good team like with, with those percentage those moves so he has the potential but yeah i mean um, to have guys like him like isaac guys like that it's it's extremely important especially if then you hit the jackpot can you imagine having a guy like shay and drafting a guy like zion i mean like <laughs> like this is is when your team is in the new era yeah when you have enough and you have a clear cut number one mm-hmm. and maybe maybe in a, like maybe shay becomes that yeah maybe like next year he comes back i don't know 10 pounds heavier with a with a quick trigger on on the three-point range from the dribble averaging 28 points per game and then everyone say well it's then it's clear mm-hmm. but right now I'm I'm watching night in and night out a guy that is struggling on defense yeah. uh, a lot, especially mm-hmm. as of late, when the competition was 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 weaker. Probably you didn't notice uh, such things, but right now when he faces like a guy like Murray or or even like I don't know Holiday guys like that, you can see that he is struggling. And on offense, he can be efficient. But it's not at the level where he can just take the team in his hands and and, and go score points. That is what this is what Chris Paul is doing. Mm-hmm. So it's right now it's a great second year player, like yeah. a very 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 oh. very good one. Yeah, no, he's he's a he is a yes, he's a good player, and he's he just has a little ways to go, and we just don't know exactly what he can be uh, at the top level. And his numbers have started to level out some. I mean, he's 43% yeah. from the field, 35% from three, 79% from the line. You know, he started the season uh, pretty hot. And so, yeah. but still, I mean, for him to average 35% from the field on 3.9 attempts per game, that's great. I mean, that shows that you can shoot yeah. it and that yeah. you're willing to shoot it. Awesome. Would I like him to be a little bit better than that? Sure. But still, that's a good number. I mean, go look at Damian Lillard's numbers. Like his percentages aren't always great, but his willingness to take those threes and the the kind of threes that he can take and make um, are kind of what matters. And and Shea's taking way more off the dribble th- threes than I thought he would. He's taking some step back threes this year, and so it's about all you can ask for from him. But I'm just saying, let's. I don't know that it's necessary to put like the pressure, <laughs> all the pressure on no. him like immediately. Uh, he may yeah, be that why, guy. Why do you want to rush? Yeah, like there's no reason. No, there's just no. enjoy what he is about today, and then let's see in a few years when this franchise will need a new face. Yeah. then we'll see. Yeah, and I, and I think like don't rush is going to be like the theme of the next like four or five years for the Thunder. Is that they're yeah they are not going to rush into anything. I think that you look back, and I think that you ask like questions like what what could Sam or the organization learn from the first era of the Thunder, I think that maybe it's like be patient and let things play out. And I think that if you're a Thunder fan, I think it's what you want them to do. Because I think getting a little impatient led to some things like the Kendrick Perkins deal, you know? Yeah. And I I think that you've you've got to have some patience and and let things play out a little bit and i think that this thunder team will and i think having patience as a fan is hard like that's a really difficult thing to do 
but I think it's it's necessary. Uh, yeah, and if you want to have examples of things that teams really rush it into, like sometimes it works because uh, there's no denial that when you when you can get a top level player like Kawhi, you need to rush stuff. You need to be the first uh, to reach the goal line. That's sure. that, that for sure. But other times, think about Anthony Davis and and the Pelicans. Like they really rushed into a trade that bring that brought um, Holiday mm-hmm. and then a few other veterans to try to win immediately. Mm-hmm. And then after two contracts that you have, uh, you have the time of two contracts, especially when you have a very very good player because. He really wants the money. Uh, he really wants to give it a try because it's the first team in the league and I mean, things go that way. But it was impossible to sustain that initial um, roster construction. And I felt that, I, I feel that Philadelphia is kind of doing the same. They, they don't really need to rush. And yet they paid last season uh, the two first round pick plus Lander Shamet. Yeah to get a player that now you have to pay and you don't really want to. And it doesn't really make too much sense because you need to do something to make your stars happy. I mean, you really need to try to be as patient as you can. And maybe we don't know anything. And Joel Embiid came to the table and said, well, if you don't get me a star, I will be out of the, out of Philadelphia or Simmons. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, your hand is forced. So we don't really know, but the, the result is when you have, when you do things in uh, without following a real plan, it's really easy to 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 take a step outside of your of your of your road and go uh, and go sideways. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that's that's something that you want from your franchise is what, what's the plan here? What are we doing? And if the idea is like, oh, just we're just trying to make the playoffs. I mean, that's that's a that's kind of a, a dangerous plan for a lot of franchises. Um, and I, you wonder if you're going to see a team like Phoenix have a kind of misstep like that uh, this season, just because they just want to make the playoffs. Um, and so the Thunder don't just want to make the playoffs. Of course, they want to make the playoffs, but they want to leap the middle. And so right now, the Thunder are in the middle. They want to sink back out of the middle and into the 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 lower region of the league. And at least I I would I would guess this just based on what we've heard and read from Sam Presti is that they want to sink back and then accumulate enough high level talent to leapfrog that middle. And so uh, I think that's the plan. And I think that they're they're willing to to do whatever is necessary to make that happen. And I think they have the patience. I think that they're hopeful that the ownership group has the patience to do that because that's what really matters. Is the minute yeah. the minute that Clay Bennett says, "Yeah, I don't know about this. I would rather just be the seven seed," then you pull the plug and think everything falls apart. And the Thunder still may yeah. end up with a good team. Uh, but that's what happened with Philly is that they're like, okay, enough of this. They pulled the plug on the process and they still ended up with a great team because they already had Embiid and Simmons. Um, but you, you wonder what the process could have looked like if they actually let it play out 
because right now it's they they have to win and there's a ton of pressure on them. And there's a ton yeah. of pressure on Ben Simmons. Uh, had you let the process play out, you could just let this like dynasty start forming, and you could kind of just kind of see them as the next team in line. Uh, but now it's the talk about Philly is that they're underperforming. Well, it's partly because yeah. they rushed it and they 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 yeah. they jumped. They tried to jump ahead, and then they did just what Minnesota did. And luckily, they got Josh Richardson out of the deal. But you try to force Jimmy Butler to be a part of your team doesn't work out and he's gone. And that's, yeah. that's, it puts you in a bad spot because if you're Philly, I mean, having Jimmy Butler right now would be uh, a lot nicer than having some of the other guys that they have on their team. And, you know, same goes for Minnesota. Like that would be nice to have a guy like Jimmy Butler on there, but you can't force it. And obviously <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy got what he wanted. He's on a, on a team where he's the guy and, but like forcing stuff like that doesn't always work out. Sometimes you get a Kawhi and you win a title. Cool. Most of the time you don't. Most of the, sometimes you're, especially when you're in a small market like OKC, like you can't force those trades on guys because you may end up with a Jimmy Butler type situation. Yeah. Um, we also have to acknowledge that the league is really drifting towards uh, a more flexible and a more flexible environment where you have a lot of moving parts and it's hard to foresee a dynasty really forming in, in especially in a small market and so the challenge is insanely difficult um, but this is a reason uh, one more reason to to construct a plan and to really follow because it's already hard if you complicate the thing by trying to take shortcuts, it's it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know what is not bad but good is Peyton Marie Photography. Uh, Peyton is an Oklahoma-based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion, unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Her photography style is non-traditional, genuine, and a bit out of the box. She believes your photos should be a true reflection of who you are and that your wedding photos shouldn't look like anyone else's. Though she's based in OKC, she loves to travel anywhere for destination weddings and elopements. Right now, you can get 10% off. This won't last long because you have to book in 2019. And that 2019 is almost over. So 10% off to Downsdown listeners. Give her a message on Instagram or you can go to her website, PeytonMarie.com. Peyton Marie photo on Instagram. She's a great follow. Anyways, go give her a follow and uh, book your wedding or session today and support the people that support down to dunk. Um, Kelly, let's so Devin Hall was waived this past week. I think it was last Thursday. Uh, and Kevin Hervey was brought onto the team as a two way contract, which you can look at it and say, Hervey's been an interesting guy since the day they drafted him. Uh, he's a guy that struggled with injuries in college, uh, but has kind of a high potential as an offensive player. And maybe they're just bringing him in to give him a look. But you could also say maybe they're bringing him in because there's potentially some minutes at the forward that may open up. And so I think it it's at least an, an interesting conversation to have about whether Hervey is being brought in just for a look or if it's like, okay, we're going to need forwards because we've got 
you know, these three trade ideas out there that are a possibility? Yeah, I mean, if you want to read something into the uh, to the Hervey co-op, it's really that. I mean, it's it's possible that in a matter of a week or two, Noel and Gallinari are out of Oklahoma City. It's it's really a possibility. And then your big man rotation is there is basically Stephen Adams, Mike Muscala. Yep. You really need a body there. Uh, <laughs> maybe too. you can play uh, Abdel Nader a little bit at the four. Um, maybe you can try to have Dort and a lot of like small guys that switch a lot and, and do stuff like that. But yeah. surely enough, if you want to give Hervey a chance, this is the best time. On the other end, you could also say, well, you gave Hall two and a half months. Uh you 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 had a very good look at him and you don't think he's part of the plan and so why why waiting like mm-hmm. there, you don't need a reason to to remove a two-way player if you already know that he will no longer be part um uh, of the plan okc did it last season um as well they tried out a few guys and when they weren't okay they just just removed them and we read probably a lot into into that, but it was just let's see what this guy is about. And uh, I think that it was due that Hervey got a chance to be a two-way uh, since they he, both him and Hall were selected like in the 50s, I think. And they had this Hall had this chance. Now it's Hervey's turn. I I just hope that he's healthy enough to prove himself because mm-hmm. offensively he's really interesting. Defensively, I don't really know. Like the the games that I watched uh, in the G League and um, in Summer League didn't show enough for me defensively. But offensively, surely can shoot the ball and it's tall and the 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 shooting motion is is extremely interesting, compact, fast enough. And so he he could have a legitimate chance to be an an end of the bench guy this season, mm-hmm. um, like like Dort. Uh, like there is a chance, um, and we'll see if we'll see if it can be, can stay healthy and can find space. Yeah, no, I think I think that it's it it's it's interesting that that happened at this time, and it could have nothing to do with what's going to happen, and it could just be that yeah, like you said, they gave Hall a chance, they didn't really see a whole lot from him. Great, next guy up. And the next guy up was yeah. Herbie. Um, but I think that you 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 listened to what Woj and Lowe said last night. They talked about Minnesota being a, a potential landing spot for Schroeder, that they're wanting to upgrade their backup point guard situation. And I think it's interesting on many levels. One, that he would be replacing Jeff Teague uh, again uh, as a starter <laughs> for a team. It's just kind of funny. Um, and... You know, Alex Spears kind of posed the question, like, why would you want to, why would you want Schroeder over Teague? Um, he's like, stats alone, you know, say that it's not an upgrade. And I get that. I just, I think Schroeder has an aggression level that Jeff Teague doesn't. And so yeah. maybe it's a, it's a change of pace for them. Um, it's, it's an aggression that may help them because when, when you play when they played Minnesota the other night, 
mean, they barely beat them, but still, I think that, like, as far as like ball handlers on that team, like, who are you afraid of? Like, who has the aggression as a primary ball handler on that team? You know, there's just not really a whole lot of guys. And so I think Schroeder no, would add, no. add a huge element because Jeff Teague's not even that guy. Like he's not, he's not an aggressive point guard. He's just kind of a your token placeholder guard. I mean, like he's a he's a good player, and I think he could help a lot of teams. But he's not the the best initiator of an offense. And so, and true, I wouldn't say Schroeder's the best initiator of offense, but he's going to be aggressive enough to make things happen, and we've seen that. Yeah, yeah I mean, having the tandem it's it's good it's better than what they have i mean i like culver but i would not trust him uh with the ball no. i never really like wiggins as a ball ender even if this season um uh, it seems that he improved a lot in, on that end having having teague and towns means that you have a real threat from uh the three-point range in pick and roll mm-hmm. situation um but having shooter as you said brings another dynamic to the pick and roll uh, you can, if you're Minnesota, you can really play uh, for you uh, four man space out unit and let Danny Schroeder be dangerous in terms of penetration, in terms of pull ups from 15, 20 feet. Um, it it gives you another dimension, and I think that Minnesota lacks of that dimension, uh, as you said. And if the price is like a first round pick and Gorgi Jang, or may because I think that. Gorgi's salary enough is worth of a protected pick yeah. because he has uh, another year, I think, at 17, 18 millions, something yeah. like that. Uh, and so taking an extra year will cost you m- money. If you if you get, for example, Noel and Schroeder together, then you can get maybe something more than a first-round pick or a very good pick, like yeah. 2022, top one, top two protected, like something really good and not protected at all um so there's there's reason to believe that 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 trade can go can go down because it's it's quite easy to to uh to create the um, the matching to have the matching salaries mm-hmm. yeah and they own all their first round picks going forward so um you know the thunder could ask for so even something down the road like give us a 2023 pick they're like oh yeah okay well, we plan on being very good then, so we'll we'll take that. And you just never know, like as yeah, you never know. Maybe they're in the same boat as they are now down the road because they can't trade Wiggins, and he's the same guy that he is. And you know, it's just it's it's interesting. And so I I think that that's that's a team that does make some sense. If you get a first round pick for Dennis Schroeder, that's a that would be a a huge deal for this team. Yep, it'd be yep. a huge deal. Yep. And he's yep. been very good. And I'm not trying to dog him. But I'm just saying, like, his value across the league has not been tremendous. But he's played very, very well this year. Um, and has. And if you if you look at just, like, his last, like, 10 games, like, he's been phenomenal. And that's just kind of how Schroeder is. He's streaky. And his value is high. And we also have to also recognize that NBA teams know who these guys are. And they don't just, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to watch 10 games of Dennis Schroeder to see what he's like. <laughs> You know, like they have this sample uh, from his entire career in front of them, and they know the kind of player he is. And this, like, a hot streak for a guy that's a known quantity like Schroeder is not necessarily going to force the hand of a franchise. 
you know, like they know that a cold streak is coming for sure. Like they're, they're yeah. aware of this as well. Um, the other report we talked about Gallinari, I still think he's going to be dealt, but there's a chance to hang on to him. And if they do, I mean like this team is, they're going to be in the playoff mix if they hang on to yeah. him. Um, but they also talked about Chris Paul and it's kind of the same message that we have been giving all along is that, uh, Chris Paul is likely here for the, for the season. And I think we just yeah. need to uh, be aware of that and let him, and honestly, let him teach these guys more. I don't, I don't think having a year where he just teaches all these young guys is a bad thing at all. So um, actually I think it's quite good for this team and for these younger guys and then find a landing spot for him at the draft or, uh, you know, during free agency when a team strikes out. So, uh, McKelly, thanks for coming on the show today. You can follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Make sure that you're two things. Make sure that you are following him for his post-game tweets. And then second, make sure you're following his, the what he's doing with Thunder After Dark because the, the content is uh, very, very good. So go to OKC, go to patreon.com backslash OKC Dream Team to subscribe to that. It's the best post-game analysis that there is. So uh, make sure that you listen to that. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. You can follow the podcast at Down to Dunk on Twitter. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, We would very much appreciate that. Hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. (laughs)